0: And let's begin, OK, so thank you so, so much to all of you for coming. If the sun is going to bother you, by the way, you can close the shade if that's, yeah? Penny, maybe you want to close the shade? Um, yes, so we appreciate to all those that are here in person and all of those that are tuning in online. Thank you guys so much for being here as well. And we're going to jump straight into and to Rabbi sort of class trip, like we described in the second shir in the session, where he's sort of talking with us, And Rabbi Nachman is sort of giving over a lot of his theology in the way of a student receiving from a Rebbe in a more unconventional setting, not necessarily in the classroom, on the class trip, on the tour bus, on the way, right? On the way to uh, to, uh, to an extracurricular activity where a little bit, the lessons that are being transmitted are not as technical, it's a little bit more in the way of just Ideas and non-linear thinking, unrelated teachings, one after the other, memories, stories, and so on and so forth. And so that's the limud that we've been learning, Baruch Hashem, for many weeks now. And we're going to jump right back in. We're up to Sikhasran Chasran So, Sih so, Chasran rather, right? Yeah. Sih Chasran So the Heliger Rebbe says like this, 16. The Rebbe says like this, I apologize to those that are tuning in that don't have the... Um, the sources, but if you'll follow along, I think I'll try to say it clearly, so everyone should be able to follow along. And the Rebbe says like this, Da, says Rabbi Nachman, a person should know. She'yichoy Daka. it's a very famous teaching, the doctrine of the silent scream. The Rebbe Nachman says it's possible to scream in a silent voice. B'tza'aka with a tremendously loud and powerful scream from the depth of a person's soul. V'lo yishma adam but it's the kind of scream; it's of such a nature that not one person is going to hear this scream that the person is emitting from the depth of his heart and mind. Because the truth is that such a scream is not emerging from a person's vocal cords. No sound, no voice is being produced. Penny, for a cup of water, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. No sound is being produced. Rakatsa he called the mama dak of the voice is just in the way of a very thin still voice, like the Pasuk tells us, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears. Thank you so much. HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears in this Amadaka, in the silence, right, in the stillness. Baruch Atah Adonai, Yelehinu Melecha Olam, Shehakol Nihieh Bedvare. B'Kaldom Amadakha every single person is capable of doing this how does a person go ahead and do this what's the purpose, what's the function we're going to learn but how does a person go about screaming in such a way that a person should imagine in his or her mind Hatsa'aka, the sound of this scream, because a person's power of imagination is exceedingly great. We don't just imagine visions. We can even imagine in a certain way it's harder. But you can even conjure up a smell in your imagination. But certainly a scream or the sound of a scream, a person is able to picture that, so to speak, even though it's not an image. But a person can picture this sound of this scream in the mind. The literal sound of a person who hears, you know, they call this forest out here, you know, the Breslev forest. Literally, you go any time of day, you just hear people howling. It's an unbelievable thing. Multiple people. And so, or one per- person with multiple personality <laughs> disorder, I don't know. That's also possible. But um, maybe that's what they're screaming about. But you hear people screaming the whole time, and the scream that they're screaming is in a, is in a, is in a nigen, right? Aba, like screaming, whatever whatever you know. we feel comfortable with in our way of communicating with Hashem, referring to Hashem. But we can imagine that. We can envision that. We could even sire that in the seichel. To the point that whatever is going to be gained by an actual physical vocal scream, spiritually speaking maybe emotionally speaking but certainly relationship wise which is the context in which all of what we speak about is you know is is filling that that space of a relationship with god that we're attempting to build So that's going to be accomplished just as much with a person's mind, just to scream it out, just to really let it out. Our stress, our frustration, our brokenness, our hopes, our our joy. Whatever it is that a person would find themselves without any inhibition, all alone, to scream out to the master of the world, we can do that in our minds. In the aspect of the silent scream. And nobody is listening, nobody's able to hear this person. It's such a private moment, it's such a silent thing. But it's so loud. Because the truth is, again, that there's no image, there's no um, form that this scream takes. But still, he says, it's a real scream. And the reason is, and this is a little bit complicated, I'm not exactly entirely sure what the scientific specifics of this piece are, but, but the tzaddik says that there is something physiological about the scream as well, even though it's taking place only in the mind. 'Cause he says he says that there are certain cells, there are certain receptors in the lungs, that the voice emerges from that place. Ultimately it's the you know the vocal cords and the voice box and he says in a certain way, there's some sort of very delicate uh, receptors that are leading from the lungs, connecting the mind as well. everything's connected. all these systems are connected a person is able to scream, not utilizing the vocal cords, but the other receptors that are connecting the mind with the lungs, maybe a little bit like toward the back of the toward the back of the head. I think in Chazanus, right, in cantorial circles, there's a concept called a stimmer, right, in Yiddish. Those, right, it's, it's it's some sort of very delicate voice, and it's called the cup is the head. It's called a stimmer. It's like a right. Your father's a chazad, right? Huh? Falsetto. It's like falsetto, but I think it's even deeper than falsetto because falsetto is still in the voice. I think that this is really it's a mental head thing. Voice. It's a head voice. That's right, head voice, and there is such a terminology like that. So it seems that there is. This reality, this Mitsiyah is that there's some sort of voice that's able to be projected just from the brain, from the mind, or maybe from the uh, you know from the sinuses also that's also connected to, uh, to to the emergence of a voice. But Al-Kalpanim, these very small, thin, delicate receptors that lead Moach until the mind. If a person utilizes them in this way of of a mental scream, a person can actually come to to a real scream, just in his mind. Through this, that a person imagines with his brain, but it's got to be very strong, that you're literally imagining the voice as it would sound if you were all alone and you weren't embarrassed from anybody and you just wanted to scream it out, let it all out, all out. You can have that in your mind. In this way, a person is able to enter in the voice of this screaming into the mind. And again, there's a tremendous benefit to this. Because we're going to be speaking about this now. A person can be standing amongst many crowds. Any, any uh, you know, facet or circumstance that a person might find themselves in throughout the daily scheduler, throughout a week, if a person's online at the bank or at the supermarket, or standing in a crowd of people wherever that may be or walking down the street where obviously we're going to feel inhibited, and I think it would be a little bit you know, socially off to really just start screaming, when you're surrounded by people, might not be such a normal thing. But this allows a person to do that. Because to the person behind you and the person in front of you, they don't know what's going on in your mind. But you're standing there, you seem to be just minding your own business online at the supermarket, and you're not just conversing with God, but you're in the deepest, deepest way, expressing such a, expressing such a deep emotional outpouring of your, of your heart. Before the master of the world. So a person can stand among many people, the and scream in this incredible way. And nobody's listening. Nobody's able to hear at all. says at times, like disclaimer, be aware, that Yukali is a dak, she Sometimes a little bit of a voice can actually escape because, again, there is a physiological quality to this. Sometimes you think you're only screaming in your brain, but a little bit, you know, sometimes it can it can get out a little bit, right? And um, a person should be aware of this. ELAMOYACH YYUCHULI SHAMIT LFOAM We could escape. She SHEYETZIAK KOL DARECHAS And point us, again, through those receptors that we talked about, HaMoytzi and Kol that are able to emerge or enable this voice to emerge. Aval, HUBEDAKAS GADAL. It's BEDAKAS GADAL. It's very, very thin, very, very light, very slight without Dibor, without actual speech, without putting words to this silent scream when a person doesn't utilize words, when a person doesn't scream Abba in a word, right? or Atzilu, save me, whatever, you know, bring me you," whatever a person wants to say to God, but it's just a scream that's in a way all-inclusive, that's why you find such a thing of a nigun, right? Sometimes everybody else, are like, what's, what's the Indian of a nigger You're just sitting, singing a wordless song? They want words, dafka, with psukim from Tehillim, or psukim from, you know, from, from Nach, or from Svarim. The, the Hasidim knew the secret of a wordless melody in its ability and capacity to contain every possible meaning in order for this wordless experience of singing a song to be different for each and every person in the room singing the song, because each person is able to sort of use the vehicle of this wordless melody to encompass whatever words they feel that they need to be expressing in the given moment. And that's the secret of a nigren. And so when a person does this with a scream without words, he says it's going to be easier to, uh, to to produce such a silent voice. Because when you want to put words to it, it's going to be harder It's going to be harder for the brain to produce such a very clear you know, visualization, I guess, of this scream. And not to let it go out and to escape in some form. But if a person is going to scream without any words and just allow this to be an all inclusive expression of our emotions, whatever emotions that may be, but I think that what Rabbi Nachman ultimately is teaching us all the time is that all emotions are supposed to be expressed to God, whether that means thanks, whether that means praise, whether that means frustration, whether that means anger, sometimes not just. Anger over circumstances, anger at God, or a lack of belief in God, that could also be expressed to God, right? Any human expression that we're feeling, like we've said a, a time and time again, wants authenticity, doesn't want fakers. And so if at any point in our Yiddishkeit we're faking, Sometimes in the name of religiosity, it's counterproductive. God wants us to come to Him as us, completely authentic, completely real. Whatever feeling that we're feeling inside is an expression of the that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has all the midos that He implanted within each and every person, that were created in the form of God, the emotional form, the intellectual form, and we're supposed to bring that to God. That's what we we say. I think we said this in the past, but boy, we turn around when we come into Shabbos just to make sure there's no part of us that we're leaving at the door and not bringing into Shabbos with us. No matter how low and how dirty, and like we gave the mashal, a person comes from the airport and he goes straight to a meeting with the president and he tries to leave his bags by the door. You know, and the president says, No, 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 come in with all your things. Come in with all your things, with your linen, with your pillows, with your your, uh, toms. Come in with everything that you have packed away because I want all of you. That's what it is with Hashem. He wants all of us. And if we come to him and we're still leaving a little bit something out, it's not 100%. And, it's going, to sh- it's, and it's, going to, it's going to show later on in life or in different circumstances where sometimes we lose touch with all of what we felt we could bring to God. And sometimes all we have left is that dirty part that we were leaving outside. So then then there's a period, right? And then we don't feel comfortable because that was never a part of us that we brought into shul that we brought into the base medrash. Right. And, and, and life hits you like that sometimes. Right. But if a person already adopts this mentality to say that it's all part of this relationship, it's all. And I Baruch wants the all of me. And it's by the way, the same thing is a marriage. The same thing with, is, is in relationships. Right. If there's a part of you that you're leaving outside of, a, of, a, of an intimate relationship, right? You have, to, you have to come with, the, with the all of you, with all parts of you. You can't fake it, right? You can fake it for so long, but ultimately, uh, we're not that good actors forever, right? And it's the same way with our relationship with Hashem, to bring it all in there. So when we scream without words just to express all of our emotions, the sum total of what we're feeling in any given moment, and that's in constant flux, the winters and summers of the human experience, to be able to scream that in a silent voice, not necessarily just out, you know, outwardly, expressively, vocally, kipshutai, but even in the silent way, when we're standing amongst people, that is something that's very, very valuable, very valuable. So let's turn over the page. Let's look at some of the Maramakomos for this piece. We have three for this particular teaching, and let's dive into Chaim Auran two forty one. Rabbi Nachman says something very similar. Shamati says Rabbi Nasan. I heard Bishmoy in the name of Rabbi Nachman's Chusiyah Ganelenu. Sha Amar that the tzaddik said Masai Yeshli Espo Rabbi Nachman said, "You want to know when I do my *isvodutis*? Because Rabbi Nachman was speaking about *isvodutis* all the time. Rabbi Nachman was constantly encouraging people to go ahead and to speak to God in their own words and so on." Says the Rebbe, "When do I do my *isvodutis*? My personal prayer." *Va'amar netzadik* said, "Shevushal said, It's when everybody comes in and is surrounding me. *Vuiyoshe at the tish when there's hundreds of chassidim standing on you know, bleachers all around. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman said, that's when I do my espodidus. When I'm completely surrounded by people and nobody's able to even see me communicating or conversing with God at all, that's when I'm doing my espodidus. Again, it's the same expression that Rabbi Nachman was able to scream again, he knew this secret. He knew the secret of silence. And this voice was heard from one end of the world to the other. I heard recently in a shir from Y.Y. Jacobson, he said over from uh, Dr. Eli Wiesel that Eli Wiesel was once approached by somebody who asked him, is there a doctrine of silence in Judaism? You know, other traditions, certainly Eastern traditions, have a very strong focus on silence, you know. Silence. By Judaism, Kipshuta, everything looks like it's words, always speaking, always speaking. I'll say that the mouth is like a mill, you know, just constantly grinding words out, Torah, Tefillah, all the time. So he asks, is there a doctrine of silence in Judaism? I looked at him and he said, there is, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> there is, but what we don't talk about it. That's the doctrine of silence in Yiddishkeit. But over here in Brussels, there certainly is a doctrine of silence, right? So, and we, and we do talk about it. But we also have to put it into practice to know how to go ahead and to utilize that silence in our Vodas Hashem. Rabbi Nachman knew this secret. The Rebbe knew what he was doing. So the Rebbe said, "That's when I have my ismodeh." Rabbi said that I heard from Rabbi Nachman's mouth, his holy mouth, personally. She called the mamadaka. That Abinachan said about himself that he knew this secret. He was able to stand amongst crowds of people and to stand amidst the entirety of the world. And it doesn't just mean in midst of his chassidim, but it means even if you're outside in the world. But a person certainly today has a constant flow of news on his phone in his pocket or stam, you know, knowledge of what's going on in the world. And it seems so loud and it seems so conflicting and so confusing and so on and so forth. That's also called surrounded by hamoin'am, by a thousand different feelings and geishim and worries and anxieties and so on and so forth. Rabbi Nachman said I was able to shut that all out. Listen to this lesion. To scream in a silent scream from one end of the world to the other. Whoever it was that was standing around him would not hear a thing. Listen to this. He said it's the same thing with dancing. Amar, he says, when he's sitting amidst many hundreds of Hasidim, he was a very sickly man, Rabinach, when he died only at 39 years old, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years of his life, was suffered ter- he was suffering terribly from tuberculosis, a very sickly person. He said, amongst people standing or sitting, not moving, Yachalirkad, we could niflam ma'oyid. Rabbi Nachman said, "It could be dancing, an unbelievable dance, without moving at all." Begam p'am achah shemate ba'atsmi. Rabbi Nachman said. Rabbi Nasan says, "I once heard myself that Rabbi Nachman said, 'B'shal sheyoshev bein olam, when I stand or when I sit among people, ani doime, I am comparable, ki mishe kol ha'olam oimdim sviva, that everybody, the whole world, is standing around him, hu mirakid ma'oyid." and he's dancing and dancing and dancing and the midst of this bow zemer shal khasin all of a sudden they bring a they bring an orchestra he spoke a little bit about the and Sikha But I think that, let's go back one line because that's a very important thing. What does that mean? Rabbi Nachman says I can be standing around many people and dance and dance. I'm like somebody who's dancing, even though again you don't see any outward you know motion, externally, and then and then the chasana, you know, and then and the, and then the orchestra from the wedding comes, you know. And I think encapsulated in that is itself a very very deep secret is itself a very deep secret. You know, don't wait for the music to dance. It's the dancing that brings the music. It's not the music that brings the dancing. That's what Rabbi Achman is saying over here. He says, I started to dance, even without moving. That's another level. But dancing, even Kapshuta, Start to dance. Even when there's nothing to dance about, because there's always something to dance about. It's just that we're a little bit blind in the moment to all that there is to dance about eternally in every single moment, no matter what, regardless of circumstance. There's always what to dance about. I heard recently also in another speech, somebody was saying, you know, that, uh, that he likes to walk around with a smile on his face, always with a smile. See, so he, he, said, he said one time he was walking in the street and there had just been some sort of tragedy or some sort of news that was happening that was negative and the world was in a turmoil and a war or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the circumstances were. And, um, and a person, you know, was walking past and got a little bit like upset by the fact that this person was smiling. And he walked over to him and he said, he said, how can you smile at a time like this? How could you smile at a time like this? So you looked him in the face and he told him, mm-hmm. he said, because I know how it all ends. Because I know how it all ends. So you're looking at the moment. And he said, I know that in the end, all's well that ends well. Right? And if it's not well, so it ain't the end. Right? And so he says, I know how it ends. So I'm borrowing kilo and breast terminology. There's a concept of even borrowing a dance from the future. You know, just borrowing it a little bit, just for a moment, because ultimately there's going to come a time. Even in English, there's an expression. You know, one day we'll we'll laugh about this. So why wait? You know, <laughs> like one day anyway, we're going to laugh about this. So why not laugh? Why not laugh? Why not start to dance? And in that merit, somehow that's going to bring the orchestra to you. Again, Rabbi Nachman said that he had this secret, this knowledge of being able to sing even when silent, of being able to dance even when motionless because the essence of our external expression, be it speaking, be it screaming, acts of kindness, dancing, any external mode of expression is ultimately secondary To the internal processes from which, hopefully, they're all emerging. And Rabbi Nachman says, "Yes, a person can dance his whole life externally with his hands and feet and look like he had a big clown painted on his face. It's like a thing in literature, you know, like the depressed clown, you know, with this big. What could he do? He has a big smile (laughs) painted on his face, but ultimately inside he's falling apart." Rabbi Nachman says, "It's nothing. It's nothing." He says, I'd much rather a person who's sitting still his whole life and never danced one time, but inside he's dancing. Because the primary aspect of the way in which a person lives is the inner life. That's where things really happen. That's where kindness really takes root. And if a person is performing kindness their whole life, but it's not deeply coming and emerging from the essence, it's still wonderful and beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And like the Hasidim learned, in inside the already, already already there's still some in there. Cesar bin Achman, start dancing inside. Start screaming inside. Start to live life from the inside out as opposed to from the outside in. Let's see see, Sichasaran Reish Lamid, which ultimately we'll get to. But the Hedigarabbis says something similar Shamatim Rabnaftali Neriyah. Here again, Rabnasin says that he heard from Rabnaftali. He was another one of Rabbi Nachman's primary students. Sheshama mi Rabbi that he heard from the Tzaddik. Shetoiv, he said it's a good thing that a Jew's heart is so drawn after God with this incredibly deep and and, and desperate yearning, to the point that every single moment, the ace, no matter what the circumstance is, that a little bit he feels a knocking on his heart, reminding him of what life is all about, reminding him of how precious life is, because every moment that's fleeting, that could be spent doing something that you won't even remember 10 minutes from now, can be conquered and turned into eternity, depending on how we use it, take it immediately, Yas rather Yaskel take if immediately you can begin with to become filled with incredible passion, and to yearn, Tamlah izbarach. in this deep, deep, deep way of yearning, belo in, Nefesh, in this incredibly overwhelming and, and, and desperate way, kartwi properly. Asa az is as Rabbi Nachman often would. He made hand motions to demonstrate al inyanzet to demonstrate just how much a person can bring himself to yearning just in one moment. And it doesn't have to be a time that we set aside. It could happen at any given moment when, again, a person's involved in mundane things. A person's in a basketball game. You take five minutes off. and You can go to the side, and and then your heart is just on fire. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for all the sweetness and the, and the good weather and all the wonderful things and the fact that I'm alive and the fact that I'm a Jew. Really, to feel this way, it doesn't have to be in specific times of Torah and Avodah. One of the deep foundations of what the Baal Shem has brought to the world, that revelation, is that the whole entire world is a base medrash. The whole entire world is a base knesset. And every aspect of your life is lived in the courtyard of the king. And with consciousness of this, we can turn every single circumstance into a platform, like a launch pad, you know, Mamish to send us up to the master of the world, wherever we're standing. and he said, the same idea. Even when a person is sitting amongst people, say inside, he can lift up his hands, in his heart, to the master of the world, love, and to shout and to scream in this in this incredibly deep way. and again, Rabbi Nachman lifted his hands. Be his nifla to express the deep longing that a person should feel. and he says the pasuk just to give a muscle Master of the world, don't forsake me. B'kol nutim, Nachman said these words in such a sweet voice, in such a sweet song, shall of supplication and deep, desperate yearning for God. The Tavasoyis Ledugman or used this as an example. This is fitting for the Jew. This is how a Jew is supposed to live. Even when a person is around other human beings and we get involved in the sophisticated aspects of what we call in our you know terminology of the story of our lives, the six sons aspects of you know, and we may feel even a little bit embarrassed. Like okay, we're in a business meeting, everybody's sitting there with ties and all sophisticated. It's nothing. The whole life is an illusion. It's all an illusion. Take a minute inside and, rem- and escape to God. Escape to the essence of why we're doing whatever it is that we're doing. What the, what the very pinnacle of life is, what the core of being is, what it is that our soul was sent down to this world for is literally just to rely on a Kodesh Baruch barakhu, to build a relationship with him like a child to a father, like a little toddler. To Subshitas we spoke about last week, and the simplest, most basic way that we learned is the deepest chachma of all the chachmas, because ultimately it brings us to the tachlis hamiti, to the ultimate point, without getting distracted in this worldliness and kinotayva koven mitsianasadu mina because that's not what we're here for. But to really be rooted, and it seems childish, and it seems naive. There's nothing deeper. There's nothing more noble. There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing more real than to just let go. And in every single moment, no matter where we find ourselves to tap into that genuine authenticity, that sincerity, that humility, that vulnerability, to be open to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to express that in a dance that's inward, and to express that in a scream that's silent. I Rebbe Nachman again used this as a mashal this is what a Jew in the ideal sense of the word is supposed to be like when he's among people he should be awakened each and every moment regardless of what's happening everything's a message, everything's a reminder like we said many times in the past, God is silent there's nothing louder than God every possible expression of anything that we feel, that we see, that we hear it's Hashem speaking to us no matter what there's nothing louder and to utilize this as an opportunity for connection because we're swimming in Him, because we're surrounded by Him, because He's real. He's bringing us to life. He's real. And we can connect to Him at any given moment. This Ayurus Nimrat with an incredible inspiration, Kanizke as we've described. Let's learn together an amazing, amazing teaching from the Marva Shemesh, from the primary student and disciple of the Noam el the of Malach of from the fourth generation of Hasidic masters. And the Tzaddik says, He says that our people, who think, it's part of a longer piece, but this is what's relevant to our teaching tonight. He says that our people, who think that the pinnacle and ideal way of serving God, to arrive at true cleaving, to arrive at the true relationship building of closeness with the master of the world, who bespied us, is to go ahead and to seclude themselves. But it means over here, not in the Breslov kind of hispododos, but the actual aspect of hispododos, kipshutai, meaning to go ahead and to seclude oneself physically. To go ahead and to shut oneself up behind door after door, in rooms that are inside and far from people, just to sit there and to learn there. Never to speak to another human being, just to shut oneself away in the ivory tower of seclusion. And not to appear before any person. And it appears to a person that this is the primary way of serving God in this intense manner of seclusion, physically, literally, to seclude oneself and to live life apart and alone and shut away. This is the way to get to Dvekas, to get to God. Avalze Enoi emes. More than that, Avalze Eno emes Gimura. This is not the absolute truth. Listen to these words because it's possible for a person to sit, to sit secluded away for many years, and never to speak to another individual, and for a person never ever to attain truth, and never to arrive at what the ideal aspect of why it was that a Jew was sent to this world. Like the Lubavitcher used to often say, souls and physical bodies, not simply angels in the upper realms, but to live a human life, a communal life, and to be able to live like a regular person, and to be able to engage with people in all sorts of different ways and modes of relationship, that's the pinnacle. And he says, I once heard from his Rebbe, from the famed master, from the famed master, said, that this is the meaning of the verse which says could it be, and this again is speaking about sort of a negative expression of this, but can it be, says God, that a person will shut himself away in some room and I won't see him? says God, is there a way of hiding from God? But listen to what the Naaman al the Melech said, how he interpreted this Pasuk. Sha'amar huzal, that the tzaddik said, Ratzoloyimah, the meaning of this Pasuk is as follows: faloz. Shemizboideh adam b'cheder miyuchad b'seser. If a person will shut himself away in this hidden place, be a savor, and a person will think, shazay ikra avoyida, that this is the aspect of, you know, serving God on the deepest level. Avala kodesh baruchu amar va'anilo yarenu. He thinks that he's sitting there just looking at me alone, davening to me, learning with me the whole entire day. But if it's disjointed from other people, if it's disjointed from human relationships and the human experience, says, God, that's not the way in which I want to be seen. And ultimately, that's not the way that I'm going to make myself known to such a person in the fullest extent of the Jewish experience. So let's read the passage again based on this. In Ishba if a person will shut himself away and make that the pinnacle of his experience of living life, but to remain external from engagement with a with a, with a family, from engagement with a community, from engagement with friends, from engagement in living, you know, in, in the human experience, says God. So he's convinced that he's the biggest tzaddik in the world. Says God, it's just not ideal, and I don't know who told you that, because that's not what Chazal mean to imply. When they teach us about dvekos, about cleaving to God. The cleaving to God is not despite the world, it's specifically because of it and specifically through it. <laughs> HaKadosh Baruch says, I'm not appearing to such a person in the fullest extent. The, the main thing is, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good influences, but surround yourself with people, with humans. Then you're going to be able to come to the highest level, which is an aspect of to learn from people. To learn from other people. To hear different perspectives like we speak about so often. To be able to live a communal life so that, like the, like the Pasik says, To learn from every person, from all of my teachers. Because the primary hispodidus and seclusion is in what form? Mental. In the mental form, <laughs> to constantly think is to constantly escape to God not physically but emotionally mentally. Even when a person is surrounded by an enormous amount of human beings, which is exactly where he's supposed to be, and a person should never think to oneself, when we say this so often, that it's a chatkhila, you know, if only I was able to light menorah alone, you know, we always use that as a muscle, but, you know, to have a Seder without the whole, you know, rash of kids running around and cups spilling and, and, and people making jokes, and if only I could just sit with my agada in an attic somewhere, you know, preferably like 300 years ago before I met any of these goons, you know, and, and sit alone somewhere. And Ukraine and just shut myself away. Then, 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 you know? And like, okay, now it's Bidi Evet, so it's Bidi Evet. Okay, what can I do? I'm surrounded by people, but at least I can escape in Machshava. No, 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 no. The L'Chatechila is to be surrounded by all the noise of this worldliness, whether it comes from family, whether it comes from community issues, whether it comes from the news, whether it comes from just being a perceptive human being who walks around the streets of the world and sees the brokenness that exists in this world in an imperfect world that's not ready yet for the ultimate redemption. And while a person's in that circumstance, to utilize the mind's capacity to go, to escape, to dance, to sing, to emote, to communicate with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, while surrounded by all of those people. That's when you connect to God. Not on your you know meditation rug in some in some basement somewhere. That's not. That's not the main thing. That might be nice for a minute or two. That's not the That's not the essence or the ideal of what it is to be a Jew. It's just not. It's just not. That's not our tradition. Our tradition is specifically in the human connection. And not just in meaningful human connection, and not just in spiritual or overtly spiritual human connection, but in all human connection. And changing your toddler's diaper is a much deeper experience than meditating for six hours alone. It just is. Because that's living. And that's what God wants to be a human being, surrounded by other human beings, with all of what that means, but still to be able to stay connected. That's the Yichud. That's the Yichud. That's ultimately what the tzaddik can describe when they say, HaKadosh Baruch desired a what? A dira b'tachtonim. He desired a dira, a dwelling place b'tachtonim, in the lowest pockets of this physical existence. Not the attic within the lower world, b'tachtonim. Mamish in every, every aspect of the, of the human experience. That's where God wanted to be drawn into. How do we do that? Because it's not a spiritual experience to change a diaper. In the machshava, in the mind. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay conscious. That's the essence of Hasidus. That's the essence of the Baal Shem's revelation of what it is and the ideal version of what it is to be a Jewish person. Like the like the writes What's the primary form of self-negation? That a person should sit in a house filled with people, but in his mind envision it as if he was alone. To connect to the Master of the World using his mind, that it's as if he doesn't even know that there's that there's people, right? That he's not thrown off, and he's not confused, and he's not distracted by what's happening around him. He remains ever focused, still able to be, you know, again in this in this manner of communication and relationship, but always have that place in your mind where. You're with God, and you're dancing with Him all the time. Certainly, this is the way it is when a person's davening. Because a person has to come to such a deep cleaving. The Arizal describes the manner in which that brings it down. That a person stands in tfila, It's supposed to be ein od mamish. That there exists nothing. There's no shliach tzibur. There's no guy behind you. There's no guy in front of you. There's no cell phone going off. There's no base madras. There's no world. There's God. And God alone. There's no you even on a certain level. That a person should get to such a place and enter in, which is not ordinarily, at least classically, a, a saga that we enter into. We don't live life that way, right? Because we have free choice. And you know, we, we perceive ourselves to be living independent lives in our own egotistical consciousness, not in a negative sense, but in a way that God created the world. But in a time of tefillah, you enter in, it's like you shut everything out. Everything, everything, everything. All there is is God. That's what he says over here. At a time of tefillah, a person should go into such a dvekus again. That there's no creation. Raka who just the master of the world. This is the essence of his podidas, to be surrounded by a thousand people in a minion and to be alone. And that's Rabbi Nachman's doctrine of the silent scream. Even when a person has to interact with other people that he really doesn't want to be interacting with, but a person has to for whatever reason going through his daily life speak to them, interact with them, engage with the world, but have a portion of your soul of your of your inner life that's don't let go of God for a moment. And that's obviously a very high madriga, that's a very deep thing. But we can work on this. And the main thing is to learn about it. The more we learn about it, the more conscious we are about it, the more we think about it, the more we realize this is not just for tzaddikim. Or maybe it is, but we're all on that level. <laughs> that all of us have this capacity to really live life this way. And the beauty of this is that it doesn't turn you into a hermit. You live life in the same way as everybody else is living life. But inside, it's something else and that goes back to what we spoke about you remember in we learned looks like every other person he goes with intestines and limbs like every other human being something else something else okay so perfect half hour let's jump into the ah ah 7.15 ah 15 minutes okay That's I thought 8.30 like we start a little bit late also okay so let's try to let's try to knock off yeah we could do it um, um at 17 and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll close for tonight Sichas Aran, Yud Zayin, Seventeen. Rabbi Nachman says, "Chosyagim lenu," or rather, Rabbi Nasan records that he chiyaches echad alasmodas halimud. Rabbi Nachman gave a person a little bit of mussar as he was wont to do. Onas, onasmodas halimud. We have pages. Yeah, you have it. On, 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 needing to really put a lot of energy into learning. But Amaloy, Rabbi Nachman said, "Madu aloy tilma." Why are you not learning? So Rabbi Nachman told him, what do you have to lose by engaging in learning There's going to be great reward awaiting for you. And every word that a person learns is an immeasurable understanding of what the reward is, not an immature perception of a reward, of a reward rather, but getting close to Hashem, Hasagas and Olam Haba. And this is interesting because we know that Altiu Kabul Pras. But the Rambam is, is, is Marich in a number of places. Chazal themselves tell us, the Gemarim Bab Mitzia, that there was a certain Amirah, certain, I can't remember the names right now, that he had a pond actually with fish. Like we have over here fish in the, in the, in the tank. He had goldfish. And the reason he had this pond was so that he can sort of use the fish as an incentive for the students to uh, to to excel in their learning. And when a student was doing well and got a good mark on a test, he would give him a goldfish from the pond. So we find such a thing, right? Certainly by kids that you have to use some sort of uh, you know some sort of incentive to enable the student to come and learn. We already made reference to Chazal who said that a person should learn shal because shal So Rabbi Nachman was trying to you know, bring him in and draw him in by describing what a person's going to get, why aren't you learning. But then he immediately escapes into the higher level, which I think is even more powerfully uh, you know, inspiring and, and, and compelling than the first thing of Olam haba. Says Rabbi Nachman I don't even need to tell you. Kisha, Torah. Listen to this lesson. Mara avala echad. When the Torah expresses its love for an individual, as inwards a klal olam haba, so then you'll come to such a place where you won't even want olam haba. It's just not on your radar at all. Rak reitsa esatir baatzma you're going to desire the Torah in and of itself because there's going to be nothing sweeter to you and nothing more full of dveikos and intimacy as we're going to see, nothing more filled with love and depth and emotional involvement than truth with a capital T in a world that appears to be post-truth, right, with a lowercase t. To be able to engage in something that lights up your mind in such a way to say, this is true. And it's not just like emuna in Hashem, it's hakara. There's nothing deeper than this. There's nothing truer than this. There's nothing more eternally relevant than this. You're going to go ahead and desire the Torah in and of itself. It'll be its own reward. And he said why we find that Hashem himself learns. Whatever that means, that God is engaged in learning his Torah for three hours a day. Of course, all allegorical, what does this mean? aren't There isn't time by God and so on and so forth. What does that mean? That Hashem learns Torah. Benachman says, ah, so, okay, so let's, let's go, we'll go back into the main piece, but let's first learn a couple of sources relating to this point, and then we'll finish up the piece from Sichasaran and see the last couple of sources. So the first source is a famous Torah uh, uh, from the Arachayim HaKadosh, which was made famous by a famous song that I'm sure we were singing a lot over Shavuos, certainly the two dayers. In Dvarim, Chavav Yud Aleph, and the Arachayim HaKadosh says the most incredible, incredible, sweetest, deepest thing. This is Moshe Rabbeinu giving the final speech to Am Yisrael as they're about to enter into Eretz Yisrael. They're they're accepting the kallahs, they're accepting the brachas, and Moshe Rabbeinu tells Am the "Vesamach to If you're going to keep the Torah, you're going to come into Eretz Yisrael, and you're going to rejoice bechol ha'toyv with all the sum total of goodness." Al derech So the first interpretation of Arachaim says, based on the pasuk until him that says, "Tov Hashem," that God is good. Tam ru, taste and see kitov Hashem ulah alze Amar bechol ha'toyv perish davar hakolol kol ha'toyv ve'inte alakadish baruchu. What does it mean that the Jewish nation is going to rejoice bechol ha'toyv with the sum total of goodness in this world? What's kol ha'toyv? Well, God is called tayv. is called good, and God is called kol. God is Hakol Yachal, the God is the all-inclusive energy, the ain't soap that includes any particularity within you know existence. is all wrapped up in, in Tagarj that contains it all. So the Samach to ha says the Arachaim, it's gotta be a reference to God. Your joy, he says, is going to be a feature of your engagement and intimacy with Hakarish Baruch Hu Shehu Who is the source of goodness Asher Nosan The pastor continues that he has given you Perish Love It's nothing you earn because it's something that's essentially beyond anything that you could ever earn. It's infinite. Infinite, infinite. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu will, will have given to you no angel, nobody is able to have access to this. Just the Jewish person. Again, this speaks to the previous point that we learned specifically because we're in this lower world, right? of From all of the uh, of the next world, the holiness of a group of Jews. I just learned from the Tanya. See my Tanya behind the curtain over there. Do you see the Tanya there. I just learned today from the Tanya in in, in Eger Listen to this. The Tanya says, Masha He says, "This is unlike you find by angels." He says, "I heard from my teachers ultimately the Magen Mizrach." Listen to these Listen to these words. If one angel were to be found would come down and descend among a million of Jews that are gathered together even if they're just sitting around and schmoozing 10 Jews, yeshiva breakfast talking about the war in Gaza 10 Jews sitting together listen to this there would be such an awe and such a fright that would fall upon this angel, Mishkinasa or Mishkinta de Shari Alayu from the Shina the Chazal tells us of any gathering of ten Jews Shari, the is there, Achari Battle of a He would be completely and entirely nullified and wiped out. That's what Tanya says. So it's only Ashinasan Lakha. It's only our experience being invested. With a neshama into our bodies, that we're going to be able to access this level. Only us. The second parish, and I'm telling you that it's one and the same. That this blessing of the ha'toyv, you're going to have access to all of the good. It's speaking about the Torah, and over here the song takes over. There's no good, there's no essential, eternal good other than Torah. If a Jew would feel the sweetness and the pleasantness of the Torah, they would go like out of their minds. They would run and pursue it. The entire world with all of the gold and silver and diamonds, which is just a muscle for any goodness and any pleasure that a person can think in the world. Would not be considered to them like anything, and this is that famous words, because the Torah contains all of the goodness of this world. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu contains all of the goodness of this world. And the Yisrael chad. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His Torah and Am Yisrael are absolutely one. And that's what Rabbi Nachman says, an addendum to this, that the Torah shows its love for a person. There's nothing sweeter, and a person doesn't want olam haba. And Rabbi Nachman, the next line says, "And Hashem Himself learns." What that means to say is, this is the samachta b'chol atav. because the chol is both Hashem and the Torah. It's learning with Hashem. It's an interaction with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's the sweetness of the Torah. That's the love that the Torah is communicating. It's not the love of the Torah. It's the love of God that's emerging and peeking from behind the curtain of every single word of every single sefkat and mishnah and every single toysis and everything, a single shach and taz, if a person learns Torah in such a way to understand that you're learning with God, may apam the with so then there's nothing sweeter in the world. There's nothing deeper. There's no, there's no sweeter experience of intimacy than to connect to the infinite as He speaks to you and communicates to you through His Torah, which He's perpetually speaking every single moment. Rabbi Nachman says in the Qutmran 199. Kuptzadi tes the Rebbe says da. I'm sorry. Da. Asher Asher that's from the next. It's from the next piece. It starts da. Rabbi Nachman says in the Kuntam Ranshiy Sham Taka Lihi the initial Alman. He says There's a way that a person can avoid the tragic circumstance of becoming an alman of becoming a a a, 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 a widower. Shaloy Thomas Ishtay, that a person's wife should not die. Chas and the skula is al margishim tam that a person engages in the sweetness of Torah in such a way that he tastes it, that he feels it, that that's the relationship that a person has. Of course, there's no ironclad, you know, rule. Of course, there's no generalization that covers everything ever. So there's obviously going to be exceptions, even exceptions that we may know of. But this is a skula this can it can enable a person to be spared from such a, de- a difficult challenge and such a punishment of Lilias, alman not to Has have such a tragic circumstance and never never know from such a thing of a person losing their spouse Alman because he says these are the letters Alman which spell widower from a almana Alman is the male version of a widow they spell out the primary letters of the words in tehilim ma. How sweet is the taste of your sayings, a reference to the Torah. The Rosh of of Ma, Nimlitzu, Lichiki, Imrasecha, spells Alman. So in this, that a person is engaged in the sweetness of Torah, a person is not going to have to suffer that experience of this Unbelievably, unfathomable loneliness. Shal yideh shem argi shem misikas ba'akos ba'atayra, nitzoy l'mi o'ynush hazeh, a person can can merit to be spared from such a circumstance. V'gham ha'akos v'mesayim midvash l'fi, it's sweeter than honey in my mouth. What's dvash l'fi? Again, shal yideh z'e ha'masikush ha'margish ma'atayra, mamtik madin shal misas ishtaychas v'shala. A person can avoid this experience, rachmona l'atzlana, of a person losing his wife. Ki dvash begamatria isha kamuba b'ksavim. Because the word devash honey, is the gematria of Isha, of a woman, of a wife. And so this, that a person is going to engage in the sweetness of Torah, can enable a person to have that skula, But I think that based on the way that we've explained, based on the Archaim HaKadosh, that it's not just the learning and the sweetness of Torah in and of itself, but it's the relationship with God that's forged through that limud, that I think that it's much more clully than the simple meaning of a person physically having a wife and losing a wife. I think it's in general the antidote for loneliness of all kinds that as its, it's expression in its most acute form is a person being, you know, bereft of, of, of a person's spouse is the most horrible form of loneliness. But for all forms of loneliness, to taste the sweetness of the Torah, to be able to forge a relationship with God, to be able to be so close with him that even when you're surrounded by crowds of people, you can shut off all external stimuli and open up the inner life to be able to really scream out to him because you're so close with him. So you're never alone. You're never, ever alone. And that's, I think, part of the school, and not just physically that a person won't lose his wife, but even a person who has lost their wife, or a person who has lost their husband, a person who's in the Matzav of Alman. This itself is the Tikkun for the Alman nature. l'chiki v'samachta b'chol Escape to God. You're not alone. You're not alone. Escape to that ever-present dialogue with the master of the world who is speaking to us through his Torah. Who's sending us messages, love letters all the time, Mamish all the time. And Rabbi Nachman says, yana, Ayin Aleph, similar. Fortune it is one. Who merits lahargish and the imus ha Who merits to taste the sweetness of the Torah? There's also a song from Zusha. This is the primary thing. To merit to taste the sweetness that exists in the Torah, as the Pasik says in Noam, for its ways are sweet ways. And all of its paths are paths of peace. Let's go back into the teaching, but this will finish the last couple of minutes. Yeah, we have a, a, another couple of minutes left. Yeah, another another five, six minutes. Let's try to knock this mm-hmm. off. Rabbi Nachman finishes Yud Zayin in Tzich Hasran with the words of adorus Halalu. He says, in our own experience, in our generations, Ba'vanaseinu Harabim, in our many sins, nafal liman ma'od, the study of Torah has fallen a tremendous amount. B'dan, he says, and you can know this as a fact. Shah he says those great masters of Torah scholarship, Tamidik Achamim, Rabbanim, Avbezdin, who lived in the previous generations, Daino the real true Lamdanim, Sha'ya Shum Kavanas. He says, I want you to let I want to let you know he says they were not mikubalim They knew nothing from the kavanas of the Arizal. They knew nothing about the esoteric ways of bringing about miracles and wondrous things. And even so, they were able to go ahead and bring about wonders simply through the learning of Torah in and of itself without knowing any Kabbalistic, deep, esoteric things. Just Liman HaTorah itself enabled them to bring about miracles in the world. Rabbi Nachman explains that when they would go ahead and they would say something kach, it would actually have that impact, like we say the tzaddikim are called because the tzaddikim are building the whole world up Right? the tzaddikim are building the world, they have that ability to speak in such a way to bring something into actuality I don't think we're going to have time to learn the tzikah at tzaddik very unfortunately because it's an incredible piece let's just read the first line of it, just to make a little bit of askala in it, and then I guess on your own time you can you can read it, but just one line. He says, <laughs> It's possible to go ahead and to do wonders through the Torah. And he goes ahead and he explains, like getting to the depth of it, he explains that it's not disjointed one from the other but it's specifically the chiddush that a person is mechadish in Torah that brings about the ability to do a miracle and he says that that's what happened by Elio Anhar Karmal, who brought a fire down from Shemaim in a miraculous fashion in his debate with the Nebi HaBal right, that ultimately brought down this fire he says where did that come from? where did he get that ability to bring down this fire this miracle? he says you know where it came from? because he was mechadish a halacha that he was allowed to bring a carbon on a bama outside of the Beis HaMikdash Right Outside of the place where ultimately only Karbanas and it's a lavdi araisa, but Alio felt harasha, he was uh, Mechadish, Mechadish that he could use this bama. He says it was that Chidish Torah that ultimately caused the fire to come down. And he says that Elisha, his Talmud, did everything through prayer. Alio did everything through Torah. And there are two ways of bringing miracles down into the world. That's Sigizat Sadak. We close with Lakutumar Antin Mem Aleph, the final teaching in tonight's Shir. And again, I so much appreciate you being here and experiencing this with me and learning this with me. It really means a great deal to me. All of you are here in person. All of you are here online. I don't take it lightly. It really means a great deal to me. So thank you so much. Rabbi Nachman says, Oftentimes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings miracles into the world through the paiskim. Interesting. Not just the Lamdanim, not just those that are involved in Tarash Bapeh, but specifically Poskin. Specifically those that are bringing the, 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 the learning to Psa Kalacha. But Bakhinas the Pasik says moifsav will mishpate fiu. The wonders and the laws of a Qurashbaru's mouth. Shall you mishpatay mishpate through a person going ahead and bringing Mishpatim dinim psak halacha into the world? Shapoisik Shiya kah nasemis. That's how a wondrous thing can be brought into the world. Why? Kim Ahmashanisgabal Pasik because even because this that a poisik has this ability. To go ahead and to say something that's going to be acceptable to people. I'm going come to ask him, is such a thing mutter, is such a thing Usr is such a thing kasher, tar or And he makes a psaak, people listen to it, it becomes accepted as the reality based on what this person said. He says the same thing with the miracles that he could bring about. When a person comes for a bracha and says, Listen, my great aunt is, you know, not mine personally, but is you know, somebody's great aunt, hopefully nobody's great aunt is just a mushal, but somebody's laying in a hospital somewhere and she's sick. Can you please daven that she should get better? And the paisik looks and he says, she's going to get better. That's a psak. It's not just a bracha. That's a psak. He's paskening that she's going to get better. And because this POSIK has the ability to actually define reality based on his POSIK, and as he does in all areas of Teira, in Shemayim, they're listening to that POSIK as well. And that brings a miracle into the world. This is the aspect of this that we heard from previous generations where they were able to go ahead and break and say a POSIK, and that was able to bring about something miraculous into the world. So just in the way of summing the whole thing up, bringing it all together, tachlis. What the ideal vision of a Jew is, is to be a human being, not to be some esoteric, mystical Kabbalist that you know sits in an ivory tower <coughs> removed from the whole world and not a, a very much lived experience of, of the human condition. And that, again, speaks to the final point that they weren't big minkubalim. They were just sitting in a basement just learning like everybody else. Of course there should be an ideal that a person should try to get to the depth but ultimately again it's another manifestation of this that a person doesn't need to be, you know, some secret mystical removed person be a human being in the full range of our emotions to express it to God and not despite our relationships with other people and not despite our engagement with this worldliness to escape to our Hu all the time but specifically through it because of it to utilize that as the mode of being able to escape at any given moment for our hearts to constantly be, you know, filled with love and filled with connection and filled with desire for our Kaddish Baruch so that even when we're sitting still we can be dancing and even when we're silent we can be screaming on top of our lungs to connect to the master of the world and uh, and that's the ideal vision of Rabbi Nachman's at least ideal vision of what a Jew is supposed to be and how a Jew is supposed to live we should be to even one little tiny percentage of this, it's easy to speak about it's very hard to put it to practice and that's why we're here, okay, so thank you so so much again for joining, I appreciate all of you, thank you so so much for coming and um, Hashem, for those that are receiving the recording, if you enjoy the year spread the and you know, you can send the recording to others who may also appreciate and may also gain, and Be'ezer uh, Hashem will see you, hopefully, Thursday for the parish shir, okay, all the best, and they are so good to see you, Shimon, thank you so much, Baracha, thank you so much, Ulamit, Debbie, everybody, thank you so, so much for joining, and thank the ever here, obviously, uh, in person as well, all the best, thank you so, so much, okay, amazing, thank you so much, good, clear, <laughs> Oh, my phone just died. I hope it saved the recording. Um,